Well, good morning. My name is Jonathan Coleman, and if you are a visitor or a guest with us this morning, I want you to know that you are welcome here. Well, in my younger days, uh, one of the things that I used to enjoy doing with my brother uh, was going on extended backpack, backpacking trips. Uh, we would hike, we hiked to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and then back out. Uh, we hiked some side canyons like Havasu Falls, and then we liked to go hiking in the Washita Mountains in Arkansas. On one trip, we were to go hiking in the Washita Mountains. We had planned a 27-mile hike over the course of two and a half days. Uh, we would spend the night at three separate trail shelters along the Washita Trail. However, on our last day of hiking, uh, it was a nasty day. It was rainy, and it was cold, and it was foggy, and it made it really hard to find the path that we were looking for, that we were staying on. And so several times we got off of the path. Uh, we veered off the path because we missed the signpost that was keeping us on the path uh, because it was just a dreary day. So we had to backtrack, and then we did that several times. And so before we knew it, it was dark before we had gotten to the place where we were going to spend the night. Well, when my brother went to retrieve his flashlight out of his backpack, he discovered that it had gotten left on all day long and that he could, uh, it no longer worked because the batteries were dead. So all that we had was the flashlight that I had, and it was not very bright. It was not a very good uh, flashlight. I had not planned well ahead. It was very dim. So we had to share this light. It was so dark, and it was, it was a nasty night. It was one of those nights where there was no moon because all the clouds were in the sky. And it, it was like when I turned off the flashlight to save batteries when we took a rest, it was that kind of dark uh, that you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. But we eventually made it to the trail shelter and dried off and slept for the night. But I remember how dark it was and how illuminating the light was. The light reveals what is able to hide in the dark. Last week, we began walking through the book of 1 John. I want us to recap a little bit of the background of the book before we continue on in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10 this morning. So remember who John was writing to? This letter was intended to be read by the church at Ephesus and maybe by other churches in the surrounding city. John was most likely writing this letter as a response to the early form of Gnosticism. John wrote to these believers who had witnessed an exodus from the gathering and who were being tempted by the lies invading the church. Last week, we discovered the who, what, and why we proclaim. And today, we will look at the effects of walking in the light. If you have your Bibles, take them out and turn to the book of 1 John. And today, we will be in 1 John 1, 5 through 10. Let's read that together now. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Well, last week we talked about how John was an eyewitness who had literally heard and seen and looked upon and touched God in the flesh, Jesus. 
We discovered the who, what, and why John was proclaiming. Now John is saying the message the other eyewitnesses and I have heard from Jesus. John had literally heard this message that he had heard from him and is now announcing it to the reader. The root of the word for proclaim is angel. It means to herald important news. So the imagery here is the message of a king being announced to and declared in the city streets so that all might know his message. Just in the first half of verse 5, John is making a huge buildup of an important message. And the message is this, God is light. Well, how do we understand that God is light? Throughout scriptures, God and his glory are often determined and described in terms of light. We see through the Exodus, God appearing to the Israelites in the form of light. However, not only is God light in his essence, but he is also the source of the believer's light. We see in Matthew 17 too, at the transfiguration, when Jesus gave the apostles a glimpse of his full glory, he manifested himself in light. Not only did he reveal it, but Jesus also said it. We see in the gospel of John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we can understand this phrase, God is light, in several different ways through Scripture. But what does it mean here? What does it mean in 1 John chapter 1? Well, most likely, this phrase used in this this location refers to the moral perfection of God. God is light. He is holy. He is perfection. His light reveals what is able to hide in the dark. John continues in the last phrase of verse 5 saying, and in him is no darkness at all. John has an interesting trait in his writing style that is displayed throughout this book. He states something positively, and then he turns around and he states it in the negative. This is exactly what he does here. He states a positive thing, that God is light, and then followed by a negative. Literally, there is no darkness in him, none. John uses a double negative here, which is really bad grammar, but it's really good theology. He he wants to emphasize strongly that there is absolutely no darkness in God. There is not one blemish, not one stain or mark or sin on the character of God. God is absolute perfection. Even the sun has spots of darkness, but God, he is absolute holiness and purity. But the thing about light is it reveals imperfections, doesn't it? Think about when you are painting or working on a detailed project. Sometimes the end result may look all right in poor lighting, but if you bring it into the light, the imperfections and errors are revealed. Well, God is light. He is what reveals imperfections because in him there are none. In our lives, we may be tempted to say that we're not that bad of a person, You know, most of us have not killed anyone, hopefully. Like, we pay our taxes, hopefully. Just by attending church this morning, we can conclude that sometimes you attend church. You're really not that bad of a person, are you? I mean, the guy down the street, you know what he did. Or the co-worker, did you hear what he did? Like, you wouldn't believe what he did. But the problem with this train of thought, The issue with this mindset is the purity of the light that we're examining ourselves with. It should come as no surprise to you at all, but we live in a dark world. 
And so when we judge ourselves off the light of this world, we don't look so bad, do we? But when we see the purity of God, when we judge ourselves in light of him who has no darkness at all, we begin to see the severity of our imperfections. We begin to see the filth of our own hearts. Light reveals imperfections, and the perfect light reveals all of our imperfections. So Christians, are we hiding in the darkness so that we can fool ourselves into thinking that we're not so bad? Or are we dwelling in the light so that we can see our imperfections clearly and correct them to become more like him? God is light, and we must walk in the light. Let's look at verses 6 through 7. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. John begins with talking about God. Now he moves to us with the first of three if we say statements. Three times in our passage today, John shares a statement of what someone could say about their sin expressed as, if we say. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness. And we talked a lot about fellowship with each other and God last week. Remember last week we said that we cannot have fellowship with God the Father apart from having fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. Well, John is saying here, it's impossible to have fellowship with God, the Son, or God, the Father, if we are pursuing darkness. When John uses the word walk here, he's talking about how we are behaving, our lifestyle. When we walk in the darkness, when we have a lifestyle of darkness, it is the opposite of walking or having a lifestyle in the light. You cannot habitually walk in the darkness and be in fellowship with God at the same time. In fact, John says that if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we are a liar and we do not practice the truth. When we say we are one thing, but our life displays another thing, we are not putting the truth of what we say we believe into action and we are lying. Now, everyone in this room is a sinner. If we're a believer, we know this. We understand this. And if we were not, what reason would we have for a Savior? Even further, it's possible for those who are believers in Christ to sin and live in periods of where we walk in the flesh. But then we ultimately must repent and turn from our sin. However, if we habitually hang out in our sin, unrepentantly, on a regular basis, with no remorse and no hesitation, then we need to question if we really are what we say we are. If we do, then we lie. We're lying about being in fellowship with God. We are not practicing the truth that we know. Now, I love my wife. We enjoy spending time together, uh, joking around together, traveling together, and finding amazing coffee together, right? (laughs) Human being in Odessa. That's all I'm going to say, right? All right. (laughs) However, imagine if I told you that. But yet in the nearly three years that you've known me, you never saw my wife at church. You never saw us spending time together. In fact, imagine if she had never even moved to Odessa and I never went back to visit her. After a while, you would notice that we had no fellowship together. And even though I was telling you that we enjoyed being together, I was lying to you. 
I was not telling you the truth because there was no evidence of this. No matter what anyone claims about their fellowship with God, the genuineness of their faith is evidenced by their love of righteousness and their walk. Just as John did in verse 5 by stating a positive and then a negative, he does the same here, stating a negative in verse 6 and then in verse 7, stating a positive. John says that if we walk in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. What does it mean for us to walk in the light? Well, simply stated, it's the opposite of walking in the darkness, right? Walking in the light doesn't mean that we are the light. No, God is the light. But walking in the light is allowing God to reveal our imperfections and sin to us so that we can become more like him. Walking in the light also has several outcomes that John lists here. The first outcome of walking in the light is that we have fellowship with one another. This may not be the outcome that we're expecting. Wouldn't we expect the outcome to be those who walk in the light to have fellowship with God? After all, that is what is denied to those who are walking in the darkness. So why does John say that the first outcome is to have fellowship with one another? Well, remember the definition of this word fellowship? Fellowship is a deep sharing of things in common for Christians. For Christians, it's Jesus Christ and salvation. In some form or fashion, we could say that there is no real fellowship with God which is not expressed in fellowship with other believers. I said it last week, and I'll say it again. Uh, We have more in common uh, with a believer of Jesus Christ in the poorest corner of Africa who doesn't even speak the same language as us than we do with our neighbor or our coworker or our uh, hobby buddy in Odessa who does not profess faith in Jesus Christ. The first outcome of walking in the light is that we have fellowship with one another. The second outcome of walking in the light is the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When John is using the verbs for walking and cleansing here, they are things that are ongoing activities. They are occurring in the present tense. While we are actively walking in the light, Jesus is actively cleansing us of our sins. Walking in the light does not mean that those who do so never sin, but that they do not attempt to hide this fact from God. We allow the light to reveal our imperfections. We're not seeking to hide in the dark. The light reveals what is able to hide in the dark. We often don't reflect on the benefits, the ongoing benefits of the death of Christ. Jesus' death on the cross accomplished the forgiveness of our sins that we have not even committed. But as we commit them, his blood is cleansing us day by day by day of our sin. We were justified the moment that we repented of our sins and believed in Jesus Christ. However, we are being continually sanctified. That is the process where every day God is working in our lives to make us more like Jesus. And as we walk in the light, our imperfections, our sins are being revealed to us. And we recognize that we are sinful. We recognize that Jesus is continually cleansing us from all sin. However, remember what Paul says in Romans 6.1. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. The light reveals our sin. Not so that we can remain in it, but so that we can kill our sin. But how do we do this practically? What does it look like to walk in the light and to not walk in the darkness? How do we practically walk in the light? Well, Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word 
is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. One way to walk in the light is to allow the word of God to eliminate our paths. When we read and study God's word daily, we are discovering where our life contradicts with Scripture. And we can make the proper adjustments. When we read the word of God, we learn more about who God is and his character. And as we learn more about who he is, it reveals more about who we are and our imperfections. So I'll ask you this, believer. Are you in God's word daily? Answer honestly to yourself. Make a plan. If you're not, make a plan to get in God's word daily today. To walk in the light, we need to allow the word of God to eliminate our paths. Are you struggling with staying in the word? Turn to your neighbor after the service. Exchange numbers and keep one another accountable for staying in the word daily. How do we, what's another way that we practically walk in the light? Well, fellowship with other believers. The church is important. Walking in the light is hard. Verse 7 says that if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. It is a symptom of walking in the light. Verse 6 says that those who walk in the, light, in the darkness do not have fellowship with him. So we can conclude at a minimum, it is vastly important to have fellowship with one another in order to have fellowship with God. Well, why is this so? Well, walking with one another allows us to fight our sin together. It's a lot harder to hide in the dark when you're walking alongside someone. In fact, just like the story I shared at the beginning, you might even need to share a flashlight sometimes. When we come together as a church, we're able to help each other fight our sin together. We're able to help each other to stay in the light. We're able to disciple one another. Walking with one another allows us to fight our sin together. Now, I'm obviously preaching to you about being in church and you are in church. But what about the person that used to sit next to you? Where are they? Can you call them this week? Can you invite them back to church? What about the family member that no longer attends church? Can you remind them the importance of it? What about the neighbor or friend who says, I don't need church? Can you remind them that yes, they do? Walking with one another in the light allows us to fight our sin together. Christians, let's take our walk serious because we don't want to end up in the darkness and be liars who do not practice the truth. We need to walk in the light. God is light, and so we must admit and confess our sin. Let's look at verse, verses 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And verse 8 begins with another if we say statement. In this instance, John says, if we say we have no sin. Well, think about this statement for a moment. It seems impossible that anyone would make such a claim of saying that we have no sin. However, there were those in John's day that would make such a claim. And I would argue that there are those in our day that would make the same claim. All of us are born with a sin nature. What does that mean? 
It means that we have a bent or an inclination and a tendency to sin. If you have kids or you've been around kids for any length of time, you know that you don't have to teach a child to disobey. They just naturally choose to do what is wrong. We can't stop ourselves from sinning. It's our nature. We sin because we are sinners. We inherited our sin nature from our parents, and ultimately our sin nature goes back to Genesis 3 with the fall of Adam and Eve. John teaches us that if we say that we have no sin, two things result. First, we deceive ourselves. Verse 6 says that if we have fellowship with God while walking in the darkness, it makes us a liar. Well, here in verse 8, we see that if we say we have no sin, we are lying to ourselves. We are self-deceived because we choose to ignore the evidence of sin in our life. In some sense, by choosing to deceive ourselves, ignoring the sin in us, we are leading ourselves astray. The second result of saying we have no sin is the truth is not in us. What is this truth? It's the truth of the gospel. We need to recognize that this letter is written to believers. And if a Christian says that they no longer have the capacity to sin, then they are self-deceived, and the truth is not in them. The truth is not controlling their thinking and their living. The reality is, is that we are all sinners. If we say that we have no sin nature, then the truth is not in us. We are forgiven, and we, as we walk in the light, we are becoming more like Christ, but perfection is unattainable. And if we say it is, then we are lying to ourselves. Now, earlier, I said that I could argue that there were those in our day that would say that they had no sin. What did I mean by that? Well, in our culture, we can be guilty of renaming sins so that they don't appear so bad. Instead of someone being a thief, they suffer with the illness of kleptomania. Instead of someone being a liar, they suffer with the illness of mythomania. Instead of someone being a prostitute, they're an adult care provider. Sin does not lose its sinfulness by giving it a less offensive name. Just because we rename sin does not mean that sin is not within us. The light reveals what is able to hide in the dark. Just as John did in verse 5 and verse 6 and 7, stating a negative and then a positive. He does the same here, stating a negative in verse 8 and then in verse 9, stating a positive. John says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Now, we are all sinners. We established that. When we sin, we have two options. We can either cover up our sins or we can confess up our sins. If we attempt to cover up our sins, we will fail. We will walk in darkness and we will be lying to ourselves and others by attempting to minimize the seriousness of our own sin. But the natural response of believers should always be confession. Now, what does it mean to confess your sin? The word confess means to say the same thing as. When we confess our sin, we are agreeing with God that what he says about our sin is true. We're admitting guilt. We're not just saying, sorry, I got caught, but if I don't get caught again, I'll do the same thing again. But we are turning from our sin and admitting guilt. Confession is when you come to a place where you honestly agree with God about your sin. We need to be truly sorrowful for our sin and genuinely seeking forgiveness. So who do we confess our sins to? 
Well, we confess our sins to God personally. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. Our sin is first and foremost against him. Should we ever confess our sins publicly? Well, that's a difficult question to answer. However, a good rule of thumb is is that sins committed in private should be confessed privately, but public sins should be confessed publicly. But the point here is that we are aware of our sins to confess because the light has revealed them to us. What happens when we confess our sin? We see this in the middle of verse 9. When we confess our sins, God acts. He forgives us of our sins and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness because he is faithful and just. God is faithful to his promises concerning his willingness to forgive sin. We see an example of this promise in Jeremiah 31, 34, when he says, For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. God is also just when he forgives our confessed sins. God is holy and he cannot associate associate with sin or sinners. So how can he be just to forgive our sins? Well, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection paid for our sin and made forgiveness possible. God is just when he forgives confessed sin. When God sees us, he sees us through the lens of Christ's righteousness. The death of Jesus on the cross covers all our sins, past, present, and future. And when we confess our sins, God is faithful. He will forgive, and he is just, and he can forgive on the basis of Christ's shed blood. And once we sin, we can't take it back. We can't undo it. We know that we have messed up. However, verse 9 tells us that when we sin and we confess our sin, we don't need to despair because God is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But Satan is really good at tempting our hearts to despair, isn't he? We can all be guilty of creating our own unnecessary consequences for past sins. When we have been forgiven by God, we can be guilty of wondering whether God has really forgiven us. We struggle with the simplicity of confession and forgiveness. And so when the enemy tempts us to despair, we pull out our past sin, we polish it up, and we become anxious over whether God has really forgiven us. We can be tempted to live in constant defeat and discouragement, but this attitude fails to take God at his word. It fails to trust that God is faithful and just to forgive. Let's not be guilty of pulling up our past sins, but let's walk with confidence in Christ. Let's walk as a redeemed people, confident not in ourselves, but confident in the one who has saved us. Colossians 2.6 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Christian, today, walk confidently. Humble, but confident not in yourself, but confident in Christ in the forgiveness that you have received from him. Verse 10 says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. In verse 10, we see the final, if we say, statement. If we say that we have not sinned. This is a restatement of what we see in verse 8. In verse 8, when this was said, it came with two conditions, that we were lying to ourselves and that the truth was not in us. 
In verse 10, when this is said, it also comes with two conditions. The first condition is that we make God a liar. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God says, All humans have sinned. So when a person denies their sin, they are saying that God is a liar. Notice the progression throughout this passage that we've been studying today. In verse 6, it says that we are a liar. In verse 8, it says we are lying to ourselves. And in verse 10, it says that we call God a liar. Not only are we calling God a liar when we say that we have not sinned, but his word is not in us. The gospel, the good news, the truth. If we say that we have not sinned, his truth is not in us. His word is not in us. And that is a devastating statement. So today, what's our big idea? What's the point of this passage? This is our big idea for today. Because God is light, we must walk in the light and confess our sin revealed to us from the light. So I have a few questions for you today. Christian, are you walking in the light? Are you allowing the light to reveal your imperfections, your sin, and then confessing them? If you're not walking in the light, you need to return to the light today or recognize that you may not be what you say you are. You need to walk in the light by reading and praying the word of God today. You need to walk in the light by fellowshipping with other believers. If you are not allowing the light to reveal your imperfections, then you are hanging out in the darkness you're hanging out in a place that you don't have fellowship with God and that is that God is not present and that you do not practice truth and that is a place that you do not want to be. Christian, are you confessing your sins? To confess them, you must be aware of them. To be aware of them, the light must be revealing them to you. If you can't think of any sins to confess, then you may not have been spending enough time in the light. The light reveals what is able to hide in the darkness. Because God is light, we must walk in the light and confess our sin revealed to us from the light. Church, I love you. Let's walk in the light together. If you're not a Christian and you're in this place today and you don't understand what we're talking about or darkness or light, I want to tell you this. You are walking in the darkness And that is not a good place to be. It's a place that God cannot be. It's a place that leads to eternal separation from God in a real place called hell. But there is good news today. If we confess our sins, then God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, you can be forgiven and saved if you repent from your sins, which we all have. Believe in Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection and follow him the rest of your days. Today can be the day that you go from walking in the darkness to walking in the light. Have you done this? Do you know when you die if you will spend eternity with God or separated from him? God is just and faithful to forgive us of our sins. Will you confess them? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Mission Dorado.
Last week, I asked you if you would commit to pray each and every day this month for the unity of the body. Have you been doing this? Have you done this? If not, start today. Maybe you need to come to this altar and pray that God would help you walk in the light, that he would reveal your imperfections to you so that you could confess them and kill them so that you can become more like him. Because God is light, we must walk in the light and confess our sin revealed to us from the light. Let's walk in the light together. Unbeliever, if you are in this place today and you do not understand what it means to walk in the light, Romans 6, 23 says that the wages of sin is death. The payment for our sin, which we are all sinners, is eternal separation in a real place called hell from God forever. But the second half of Romans 6, 23 says the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Today, you can have assurance that you will be with God if you will confess with your mouth that you believe in him, repent of your sins, and follow him. In a moment, we'll sing a song. And that's the moment that you can come forward and I can help you walk through this together this morning. Would you come while you have breath and confess your sins before the Lord? I'll pray and then you all come.